The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm back in studio. It's it's season three, episode 29, I do believe. It's 28 or 29, um, and I'm late to the party. You know what? I, I had big plans to start the new year off, just absolutely buzzing, but I went into Halifax for the World Juniors, and I will get to that momentarily, uh, but I did want to say in the pregame show, make sure you are in the chalkboard app. Okay, just a sec. I got to adjust my headphones here. Check one, two, check one. Is that going to work? Yeah, it's a bit better. Okay, headphones a bit adjusted, but get in the chalkboard app. It is an unbelievable sports app. It is the best sports group chat. Cohen, we're talking best bets. And I mean, the last few weeks, have if you're taking some of the bets that are proposed in there, you're up money for sure. So make sure you're in the chalkboard app. Uh, I'm just coming off live on the line. I, I did want to mention as well, an absolute heater. I gave up four best bets. I liked uh, Kenny McIntosh in the national championship game, Georgia versus TCU. I like Mr. McIntosh to rush for over 65 and a half yards. He ran for 70 yards against Ohio State in the national semifinal on five carries. I think that's an absolute lock. Um, and I give out some other best bets. So you can check that on the Instagram and the TikTok page. Um, yeah, we've got uh, quarter one. Today's episode, we'll have the NFL. It's been a busy NFL weekend. Um, quarter two, uh, we've got um, some NBA talk. Quarter three, NHL. And quarter four, We'll dive into some golf talk. The golf scene is back, and I absolutely love it. Uh, but yeah, I do apologize about no episode last uh, Friday because I decided on the Thursday night, it was the gold medal game in Halifax, Nova Scotia, about an hour from where I reside. And I said, listen, Greg, you got to go get in the mix. So we, me and one of my best buddies, Noel Morgan, shout out to Noel, we got in the mix. Uh, we went to a nice bar downtown called Dirty Nellies. Watched the game there, slugged pints. It was a great atmosphere, um, and it was truly a great game. I mean, for a long time, uh, obviously Gunther opened up the scoring with an absolute rip, and then Shane Wright's goal in the second period to open up the second period, that was disgusting. Toe drag off the wall, backhand top cho- uh, top cheddar. Um, and I'm sorry, guys, if, you, if you're not a big World Junior person, it's such a big event here in Canada. Um, it's just kind of, it just is, is synonymous almost with the holidays. I mean, every boxing day you get ready for the opening uh, puck drop and, uh, but yeah, like I said, it was an hour away. The tournament was hosted in Halifax and Moncton. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was just electric. Obviously Canada ended up winning in overtime check made it two two in the third period. And then Dylan Gunther on a two on one with Joshua Waugh, but it was an amazing tournament. I, th- I think the, uh, the capacity or the percentage of tickets used during the tournament was a, was a record. It was, it was something in the high nineties of percentage tickets used just an incredible, incredible event. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, the city was, was buzzing. So, you know, I, uh, I decided that uh, Friday I was a useless piece of garbage and I, it, man is as I get older and as I uh, mature, I can't do it like I used to. And, and you know, I, I probably had like, you know, probably 10 beer throughout the night, but, they were all draft beer, all from the bar, and like, and this is multiple bars, mind you, and this is from four thirty to about twelve thirty. I shut it down, uh, but the next day, I'm completely useless. Uh, so I'm gonna have to monitor that. I've got to, I need to figure out a, uh, a hangover remedy because I'm just such a useless piece of garbage when I'm hungover, and it's, I mean, I could see some issues moving forward once I have um, some more 
uh, we'll say, uh, we'll say when my plate's a little bit more fuller moving forward in my life, I'm going to need to address that. Um, but some takeaways from the world juniors, uh, just continuing on in the pregame show, man, Czechia and Slovakia, they're closing the gap on, on the big five. So, um, you know, historically the big five in, in kind of junior hockey and just even in international hockey has been Russia, Canada, the United States, Sweden, and Finland. Uh, but I would argue Czechia and Slovakia are, are really closing that gap and they're doing some great things in the grassroots level there in their, in their respective countries. I mean, we look at Slovakia, they had the top two picks last year in the 2022 NHL entry draft uh, with Natchez and uh, Slavkovsky going first overall. And uh, Czechia, I mean, Czechia is just a solid country. I mean, they've had just solid NHLers throughout their history. Um, we look at the Boston Bruins, the best team in the NHL. Their second line is all Czechia-born players with David Pasternak, David Krejci, and Pavel Zaka. So these two countries are really doing a great job at closing the gap. Um, but, I mean, Canada is still king at hockey. That's uh, That goes without saying. Uh, but that was definitely one of my takeaways is that Czechia and Slovakia are certainly competitive. Slovakia was no uh, easy uh, easy out. I mean, they ended up beating the United States in the round robin. They were a big physical team. I liked the brand of hockey they were playing. Uh, second takeaway, Logan Cooley, uh, the third overall pick last year uh, from last year's draft after the two Czechia or after the two Slovakian born players, Logan Cooley, centerman for the United States. He's going to be a freak. He was fantastic against Canada. I thought he did a great job. Um, you know, he played the center ice position. He was going against Shane Wright. I mean, he looked fantastic. I think he was shutting down the Bedard line as, as well at times, uh, but he looked really good. So I think Arizona's got a phenomenal prospect there. And as well as Luke Hughes, uh, Jack and Quinn's brother, Luke, the youngest brother of the Hughes brothers. He was phenomenal. Uh, just so poised with the puck. Uh, I can imagine that he's going to be a in the NHL, if not this year, definitely next year, uh, for the New Jersey Devils. So two of the top prospects from the U.S. I really enjoyed Cooley uh, and, uh, and Luke Hughes. I think a guy that kind of went under the radar, he was playing on the fourth line. Uh, he he had some mistakes early in the tournament that really, um, you know, it it, it it tarnished his ability to to get more ice time. But but Adam Fantilli, uh, who's projected to go second or third overall this year behind Bedard, he was fantastic. I'm really excited about Fantilli. He's a phenomenal skater. Uh, he, he tried a, a Michigan in the first game, as did Bedard. But I think Adam Fantilli is going to have a great NHL career. I think he's going to be a superstar as well. So he's a guy that I really enjoyed playing. And I thought he was going to score in the overtime game in the gold medal. He was buzzing during that gold medal game. So Adam Fantilli was phenomenal. And I mean, come on now. Connor Bedard, my fourth takeaway, he's just, he he has every opportunity moving forward to be a generational talent. I mean, he, the, the records he was shattering and the Canadian-born players that he was passing was just phenomenal. I mean, Wayne Gretzky, Eric Lindros, it's just, it really is something special. I think Connor Bedard has that, has that generational label and I think that he's going to live up to it. So I think whatever team wins the lottery this year is really, really going to have a phenomenal player for the next few decades. Connor Bedard was so impressive as a 17-year-old in that tournament. He can shoot the puck. He's got great vision. I really enjoyed watching Connor Bedard. I think that we're not going to label, label him a generational talent yet, but I think that he's got every opportunity to be that. My final takeaway from the World Juniors, folks, is that the World Juniors should be hosted in, in, in junior hockey cities or in smaller cities outside of these NHL cities. Um, you know, for example, they were held in, in Edmonton during the summer. Like, I think that that, like, ten to 15,000... Uh, I thought there was some coming in. That ten to to fifteen thousand you know person arena is just that perfect um, size for for the World Juniors. So Halifax obviously a phenomenal job. Moncton did a great job, but I think moving forward, like, you know, cities like London, cities like, um, shoot, uh, cities like Saskatoon, you know, cities that don't have an NHL team, um, but uh, but I think you know those are the types of cities that we should be looking uh, to uh, to host on the. Um, 
for the World Junior. Sorry, guys. I'm just my head is all over the map right now. I'm hearing things. It's just I'm I'm just absolutely sketching. But uh, but yeah, the World Juniors was phenomenal. I think the junior cities and and uh, you know foreign cities that have these you know ten thousand uh, person uh, arenas should uh, should host these events moving forward. And I think that Canada should automatically go to Halifax. Could be a, could be slightly biased. All right, folks. Quarter one, episode 28 or 29 of the Daily Intermission podcast. I'm moving in to the NFL on Saturday. Saturday, we had some games. And I didn't realize we had Saturday games. I was actually on a live on TikTok and I was shooting it with everybody. And they were like, yeah, Greg, we got the uh, Chiefs, Raiders, and, and uh, Titans, Jaguars tonight. And I was like, excuse me? Oh, well, that's news to me. So I sat down and, and Saturday was phenomenal. I had basketball, I had, I had some NHL going, I had uh, the golf in Hawaii, which was on prime time. And I also had some football going. And, you know, in the early game, the Chiefs absolutely rinsed the Raiders. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, this is kind of Black Monday or, or you know, where the, where the coaches get fired. But, um, yeah, the Chiefs look fantastic. Uh, and, and the Raiders really did, had a, you know, this is a disappointing season for sure for, for Raiders fans. I mean, we talked about it in other episodes about how strong the AFC West division was projected to be. And, I mean, you'd have to think that Derek Carr's time in, in Las Vegas is over, which is sad. But the Chiefs lock up the number one seed. I wonder what the Raiders offseason is going to look like. I don't think they're going to get rid of McDaniels yet. I think he'll have a little runway next season. Uh, Jared Stidham, I don't think is that guy, although at times he looked good. He played well against the 49ers two weeks ago. He didn't look fan- overly fantastic against the Chiefs. So they, I don't know, what are they going to do to address the quarterback position? I mean, obviously they, they brought in Devontae Adams, so it, it's going to be interesting. Definitely one of the teams we'll be watching in the offseason, but certainly a disappointing uh, season for the for the Las Vegas Raiders and the Chiefs. Number one seed in the AFC, definitely going to be. So the AFC goes through Arrowhead. That is always tough. Except, actually, if the Bills make it to the AFC Championship, it'll play. It'll be played at a neutral site. That's an odd, obviously, due to the... We'll get into all that. Um, but later on in that game, uh, later on in the night, the Jags took on the Titans. And the Titans, a lot of people were bullish on the Titans plus six and a half or even the Titans money line. The Titans looked like they were going to win this game. Um, but with a minute and like 30 left, Dobbs, the quarterback for the Titans, absolutely gets stripped, fumbled. They take it back to the house to win the game 20 to 16. So the Jags end up winning the AFC South. They're in the playoffs. They're fired up. Exciting for Jags fans. I mean, you think about a team last year under Urban Meyer who were terrible. The year before that, 1-16. in 16. It's so phenomenal to see the Jaguars in the playoffs. I'm really excited for them. I don't know how they're going to do in round one versus the Chargers, but obviously a great season from the, from the Jaguars. Now the Titans offseason. I mean, Mike Vrabel's such a great coach, but uh, do they, is it rebuild time in, in Tennessee? I mean, Derrick Henry's kind of coming to the end of his career. He didn't have as dominant as a season as he had in past. And you've got Ryan Tannehill, who is, he's Mr. kind of serviceable. Uh, he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. So another team that we're circling that that is going to miss the playoffs and, and we'll, be watching, we'll be watching in the offseason to see, uh, see what they do to, uh, to take some strides next season. Now, this is certainly, you know, something I had to address in the podcast. And, and what a scary moment this was on Monday Night Football last week um, with DeMar Hamlin. Uh, he went down against the Bengals. Uh, and it was uh, it, it was very emotional for, for a lot of, um, you know, the football world. Really scary to see. Uh, he had uh, he went through a cardiac arrest on the field. Um, they had to perform CPR on him. It was just such a scary, scary event. Obviously, the teams prayed together in the end of the game. Um, and, uh, you know, today, uh, as of today, uh, DeMar has left, left the hospital and will continue his recovery process. Um, but he was in critical condition. He had a tube to breathe. What a scary scene it was for DeMar Hamlin. 
And I think that, uh, you know, it was a, it was a great reminder that, um, you know, these athletes do put their bodies on the line week in, week out for the entertainment, for the, for the, you know, greater good of, of entertainment. Um, it, it was so scary to see, but I think for all the people, it was T Higgins who, who caught the ball and kind of was getting some extra yards and ran into Hamlin while he was making the tackle. And, you know, kind of people were, were in, um, you know, T Higgins ear, you know, talking about how it was a dirty play. It was not dirty. Uh, T Higgins did nothing wrong in the play. It was a freak accident. Um, but I'm so happy to hear that Demar Hamlin, um, is half, he's, he's out of the hospital. He's healthy. And, uh, you know, number three was definitely making, um, uh, was making its rounds in not only Buffalo, but around the sports world, people thinking about DeMar and praying for DeMar uh, and his family. But, uh, but you know, you fast forward. So obviously they canceled the game versus Buffalo and Cincinnati, which if Buffalo would have won, they would have had an opportunity to get the first, uh, first overall um, label in the AFC, which is why if they make it to the AFC championship game, it'll be played on a neutral site. Um, but uh, but Buffalo, they open up against the New England Patriots and they run back the kick for a touchdown. I mean, you just can't write this stuff. It's just such storybook, fairy tale stuff. Buffalo ends up beating New England and in the New England season, and I'm sort of happy about it for from you know from the New England standpoint. I mean, this this team wasn't going to make any any noise in the playoffs. They just weren't there. Um, I'd see some major changes coming from the, uh, from them this off season. They've got a lot of cap room, um, but what a tremendous. Tremendous story the Buffalo Bills are going into the playoffs, and I know uh, they're going to be a team that I'll be rooting for for sure. Um, I just have that feeling that it's going to be Bills, Kansas City, and neutral site. You just have to have that feeling. So the scenarios moving in, uh, just kind of recapping Week 18. Uh, so the scenarios that had to happen, uh, the Pats had to win, which obviously no, we lost, they lost to the Bills. So uh, the Finns then moved into a win and, uh, win and in situation, and uh, the Steelers moved into a win and in if the uh, Miami Dolphins lost. We all know that the Miami Dolphins won an ugly one uh, against the New York Jets. So the Miami Dolphins will grab the seventh seed in the AFC and end up playing the Bills, which I don't think the Bills will have any issues with. It's going to be interesting to see is Tua going to be ready to go? Who's going to be playing quarterback for Miami? So we'll see. And on the NFC side of things, so Green Bay was winning in. Seattle was win and in if Green Bay lost, and Detroit was winning in if Seattle lost. And unfortunately, early on in the in the uh, in the night, Seattle ended up winning in overtime against the LA Rams. So that means that Green Bay was in a win and uh, win and in situation against the Detroit Lions. But you know we were on the Detroit Lions. We ran the Detroit money line, and Detroit ended up beating the Green Bay Packers on the road. Unbelievable story for the Detroit Lions. I hope they continue to build and uh, really bolster this roster. I'm a big fan of Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. Man, what, a, what an incredible season. And I know you know there's no participation awards and, and all of that nonsense um, in the NFL, but you have to feel good about the Detroit Lions and uh, what a season they had and, and just you know what a what a collapse by the uh, by the Green Bay Packers. But I mean, the, the, we all wrote off the Green Bay Packers earlier on in the season. I mean, where they get off to like a four and eight start, and we thought there's no way, and, and they had a winning in opportunity. So you get it, you know, tip your cap um, to the um, to the Green Bay Packers. All right, folks, let's kind of look ahead. I'll preview these more on on uh, on Friday's episode. But Saturday, we've got the Seahawks heading in to play the 49ers. I'm riding the Seahawks for sure. I am riding the Seahawks money line in that one. So uh, we got Seahawks, 49ers, um, and then we've got Los, uh, Los Angeles heading in to play Jacksonville. Looks like Los Angeles is a point and a half favorite. That is going to be a phenomenal football game. Two great football games to start off. Excuse me on on Saturday. So we've got. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to lay my money on the Chargers Jaguars yet. But and then Sunday we've got Miami to take on Buffalo. Obviously Buffalo. I'll be uh, you know hammering them. Uh, the Giants heading into Minnesota. I wonder if the Giants could upset Minnesota. 
It seems like such a game for Minnesota to lose. That's another one I'll circle and not have a prediction yet. And then we've got the Ravens heading into Cincinnati. I like Cincinnati in that one. Even if Lamar plays, he hasn't played in so long, and it really feels like the Cincinnati Bengals are starting to groove. Then on Monday night, we've got the Cowboys heading into Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. Both teams this week looked awful. The Cowboys looked terrible this week against the Commanders. Um, I'm going to be riding the Bucks there just because I'm Brady diehard, but it's going to be exciting. we get the NFL playoffs. Can you imagine how fast 18 weeks goes by? It seems like just yesterday we're just sitting here in the beginning of September fired, getting fired up about the NFL season. But excited for the playoffs. We'll get into the, to, to the betting scene uh, come Friday's episode. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. <sighs> Let's move into quarter two. NBA action. And uh, this is this is coming from uh, Jack Archer and I uh, in the in the chalkboard app. If you saw the parlay that I put together on Saturday night, it was a Jalen Brown over thirty five and a half points, assists, and rebounds. It was Luka Doncic over fifty two and a half points, assists, rebounds, and it was Zach Levine over I think thirty six points, assists, rebounds. Uh, Levine hit, Doncic hit, and. Jalen Brown had 35, and it was 35 and a half over. So he lost by one point or one point or assist or uh, rebound. So that one was a shot to the gonads early on on that uh, Saturday parlay. But I'll be getting to get something together. I like those uh, points, assist, rebound parlays. Um, LeBron James has been in the media this week. Obviously, the Lakers, they've, they've been playing a lot better. They've won five in a row. It sounds like Anthony Davis is getting closer to a return. Um, but... LeBron spoke out this week talking about how he's excited. Uh, you know, the I guess the biggest kind of icing on on uh, on the cake, uh, or the cherry on top, would be to play with Bronny as he comes into the league to play a year, full year with his son. So I think that that's going to come into fruition. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. Uh, that's going to be you know really special. And I've talked about that in the past, but he said. You know, he's a little frustrated, I think, with the Lakers management right now. Um, he said, y'all know what the fuck should be happening. I'm bolstering uh, the Lakers roster. So I think Laurie Markkinen's a guy. Um, you know, Utah's obviously folded uh, as they were at once first in the in the uh, Western Conference. They're now outside of a playoff spot. Um, you know, there's definitely some teams. Uh, I know they've, they've rumored to bring back Kuzma from Washington. So... I mean, they're a team that's probably going to make some noise here. I mean, whenever you have LeBron and AD, you can't write off a year. And, and um, you know, this is a team that needs to bolster up pretty soon. But, you know, Le- LeBron vocal this week on saying, all right, let's bolster up and let's make some moves. So we'll be watching the, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers to see if they make any moves this week. The Raptors. The Toronto Raptors, the home, or I guess the face of the North, they're struggling. Um, you know, they're outside of a playoff position. They find themselves 12th in the East right now. Um, and they lost seven in a row before they won last night. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the full tank mode. Like, you might as well just blow it up, in my opinion. Um, you know, get rid of OG Ananobi as his stock is high. Maybe get rid of Freddie Van Fleet. Um, I think you hold on to Pascal and Scotty Barnes. But, I mean, you know, 
thinking back yeah, to the uh, to the Raptor or to the Brooklyn Nets summer, you know, when Durant was available, would you have traded OG and Freddie and, and somebody else? Maybe not Freddie because you know of Kyrie, but anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what the Raptors do. They're going to be an interesting case study because I think you've got a tank. I mean, there's I you know I think well obviously Victor Wembanyama is incredible generational talent, but. There's other guys, I think, too, that that are really highly touted prospects. So it's a good draft to have a you know to get in the lottery mix. Um, so I think the Raptor, I think it's tank mode. Be interested to see what we following along. Uh, I mentioned Laurie Marketing earlier could be a guy uh, that the Lakers target from the Utah Jazz. If you watch his highlights from the game against Chicago on the weekend, dude threw down like five postering dunks. Like, where is this guy coming from? I mean, obviously he had some solid seasons in Chicago. But in the, the revenge game, going back to Chicago, he put on an absolute clinic. They ended up losing the game. But what a machine Laurie Markkinen's been. Definitely going to be a, um all-star this year. But Laurie Markkinen been incredible. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, only one game back of Boston. Who would have thought at the beginning of the season they fire Stephen Ash? It seems like an absolute circus, ass, a circus, circus act. Ben Simmons isn't playing. Uh, but Brooklyn finds himself one game back of the Boston Celtics, but Durant will be out at least two weeks with a sprained MCL. I still think they've got enough talent, a talent there in Brooklyn uh, to win some games without Kevin Durant. Uh, but Brooklyn, man, they've been fantastic. And I thought that, uh, I sh- you know, I've been giving them shout-outs lots. I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing from Brooklyn. Just finally in the NBA, John Morant apparently knocked out a 17-year-old or at least punched him in the face in a streetball altercation at his house. Apparently, the 17-year-old didn't like something that John Morant had said to him and he threw the basketball at his face. John Morant uh, proceeded to punch him in the face. So, uh, I mean, I don't have the full details on this situation, but I know John Morant's been charged and uh, apparently he was claiming self-defense, but obviously a 17-year-old being a minor. We'll see what happens there with John Morant. That is just something that you hate to see, especially from a team like Memphis, uh, their star player who uh, who have been phenomenal. Uh, but we'll continue to monitor the NBA. Obviously, we've uh, got a few weeks until the All-Star game, and, and uh, I think things are going to start to heat up in terms of players moving teams, teams really deciding that they're going to be in tank mode or deciding that you know whatever they've got going isn't going to be good enough. So uh, I know this is going to be a good year to, to be in those last five positions in the NBA, uh, so we'll continue to monitor that. All right, folks, quarter three, NHL talk. And, you know, after watching the World Juniors uh, the past few weeks over the holidays, you know, it just it, it just got to me in terms uh, of, of the fact that we haven't seen international best on best from these NHL players in so long. I'm starving for it. So I think the NHL really needs to figure this out quickly because... I mean, there's just nothing, there's nothing more prideful. There's, there's, you know, you think about the golden goal that Sidney Crosby scored and, and um, you, you just think about the accolades that, that, that certain players build up, even for their Hall of Fame case on the international stage. And the fact that the NHL has been without this for so long is such a shame. So I thought that I'd mention that just at the beginning of the NHL segment, but that we need to figure this out. Gary Bettman, you got to sit down with the boys. And I, I did uh, research at the, the IIHF, uh, the International Ice Hockey Federation, did say to the NHL that they want to know uh, next year if the NHL is going to be going to the Olympics. So hopefully 2026, we'll cross our fingers. Um, be interesting to see if like, a guy like Connor Bedard would make that team. Um, but, I mean, you'd have to think in 2026 he'll be without Crosby. I don't think Crosby will be on that team. Marchand certainly won't be on that team. Um, there'll be some guys... Um, Anyway, it's, uh, but I mean, you'll still have McKinnon McDavid. Uh, I mean, you just, you really want to see, I, I, you know, selfishly, I, I, you know, last Olympics, I wanted to see McDavid, McKinnon, and Crosby as a line. I mean, anyway, I'm going to get a full-on torque here on the podcast, but hopefully we'll get some international hockey here soon. 
David Pasternak scored a hat trick last night. I mean, the Bruins are on an absolute tear right now in in um, in California. They've absolutely made quick work of the Kings, Ducks, and Sharks. But David Pasternak scored a hat trick. He's now second in the league, one goal behind McDavid. He's got 32 goals in the season. And I'm not sweating the fact, being a Bruins fan, like I don't think David Pasternak gets enough love. And, you know, I love talking about the Bruins in the podcast, clearly. Um, but he's obviously a, a free agent next year. Um, and they need, they need to get him done. They need to get him signed. Um, so I, I'm hoping to get that done. I was listening to, I listen to 32 thoughts frequently. Um, I hate the free ads on the podcast, but Elliot Freeman and, and Jeff Merrick do such a great job. If you're a hockey fan on their podcast and they were saying that I think it's that eight years, $11 million, the Bruins always find a way to weasel out really good contracts. I mean, $11 million for David Pasternak would be such a steal. Um, so hopefully they continue negotiations. Hopefully we can get David Pasternak signed up pretty quickly. Cause I think too, like even in the grand scheme of things, I don't think he gets enough love. He's such a fantastic goal scorer in the league. Um, but the Bruins continue to be an absolute force uh, in the NHL. And, and uh, you know, they, I mean, this, this team, if they can add it, you know, if I think they're going to add at the deadline. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, you don't have to, uh, to add, I, I think if you're a Bruins uh, fan or just a you know Bruins management, but you know the, you know historically says that you know history says that they will, and and uh, man, they're going to be a deep roster. But uh, Max Pacioretty made his return this week uh, after missing the entire first half of the season. He scored twice. This Carolina Hurricanes team, they find themselves at the top of the Metro Division. I mean, they're going to be a, a handful. Clearly, um, you know they're going to be a phenomenal team come playoff time. Uh, Rob Brandamore, obviously the brand of hockey that they have playing. You know, with the addition now of, of Brent Burns and Max Pacioretty to a team that's already a scary playoff contender. I mean, pff, the Carolina Hurricanes are going to win that division, and they are going to be a full-on force. So that's a team to watch, a team to bet on moving forward. I know we've made some money on the Hurricanes this year, uh, so if you're in the chalkboard app, you know we're going to be bullish on the Carolina Hurricanes. I do want to talk about two teams here um, in the NHL segment, uh, the Buffalo Sabres and the Ottawa Senators. The Buffalo Sabres and the Ottawa Senators find themselves in the playoff hunt. Senators seven uh, seven points back. The Buffalo Sabres four points back. The Buffalo Sabres are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, and they've got Rasmus Dahlin, who's in the Norris chatter, and they've got Tage Thompson, who's in the uh, Rocket Richard race. So, they've got, I mean, they've got young stars just littered through their lineup. The Buffalo Sabres have been freaking fun to watch and uh one of the best bets i give it on tv i like the sabers minus one and a half tonight against philly uh but even the ottawa senators i mean we look at the ottawa senators have been out without josh norris who was their you know their best goal scorer um without um oh gosh what's his name um uh joseph um a french individual on their third line and uh, obviously formanton hasn't played all the season like they've been they've been kind of unlucky with some of the prospects and some of their players being injured um but they only find themselves seven back and they i mean like, is there a chance that either of these two teams make the playoffs? For me, I don't think. I think it's a little, they're both just a little premature, um, you know, in their playoff runs. But these are two teams in the next five years definitely going to make some noise. Like, they're definitely growing to be good teams in the Atlantic Division. So that's been fun to watch for sure. I did want to mention, too, Toronto Maple Leafs forward. Mitch Marner is the second fastest Toronto Maple Leaf uh, to score 500 points. If you missed that, it was a special little moment. Austin Matthews, I don't know how he got two pucks, uh, but he faked, he threw a puck into the stands, and then he gave the 500 puck to the trainer. So that was a fun, uh, fun little moment there for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we've got the all-star teams announced, folks. So let's go through the all-star teams here. And let's talk about, uh, you know, some of the all-stars. Uh, so the Metropolitan Division will ice Sidney Crosby, Johnny Goudreau, Kevin Hayes, Jack Hughes, Brock Nelson, Alex Ovechkin, Andrei Svechnikov, and Igor Shosturkin. I love how Crosby and Ovechkin are going to be there together. And I think that they vote in three guys for each division, if I'm not mistaken. So 
that right there is is looking solid. Um, Kevin Hayes, obviously very happy for him. Um, he had an emotional interview this week um, talking about how his brother, obviously, um, you know, Jimmy passed away last year, um, you know, suddenly. And, and he talked about how Jimmy would always talk about Kevin making the All-Star game and how he could feel it. So if, that's obviously a, um, you know, a special moment um, for uh, for Kevin Hayes going to his first All-Star game. And, and um, uh, Shesterkin, first All-Star game. Uh, the Atlantic Division, uh, Kucherov, Larkin, Marner, Suzuki, Tage Thompson, Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, and Linus Allmark. It's kind of milky, to be honest with you, these Kachuk brothers. Like, I don't know, like... Anyway, obviously Brady's had a tremendous season. This was Matthew, but it, it could be pretty milky here in the next few years if it just turns into the Kachuk, Kachuk, Kachuk show every single All-Star game. It feels like they've kind of taken over the last few. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, the Ottawa Senators especially send off some of their, um, you know, some of their prospects. I mean, I think uh, personally, I, th- I would have liked to see Drake Batherson go. Uh, obviously, last year he he had to miss the All-Star game due to the fact that Aaron Dell absolutely greased the fucking wheels off the kid. But... Um, yeah, so the Kachuk brothers hopefully don't take too much of the spotlight because it is a celebration for all the star players, not just the fact that there's brothers in the same division. Um, all right, moving into the central, we've got Kirill Kaprizov, Clayton Keller, Jason Robertson, Vladimir Tarasenko, Seth Jones, Kale McCarr, Josh Morrissey, and UC Saros. It's exciting for Josh Morrissey. He's such a steady defenseman in Winnipeg, doesn't get enough love, great player. Uh, Jason Robertson obviously having a fantastic season. So I thought Clayton Keller is the longest serving Arizona Coyote right now. So the Central Division, obviously, I'm going to just say this right now, looking like one of the weaker teams. Matty Beneers, rookie, will be uh, playing for the Pacific Division alongside Kevin Fiala, Nazem Kadri, Connor McDavid, surprise, surprise, uh, Elias Patterson, Troy Terry, Eric Carlson, and Logan Thompson. So I do believe that... Uh, that all of those guys will be joined by three guys that are voted in. Um, but the NHL All-Star Game is, is certainly a, a fun time of year. So uh, we'll continue to monitor that to see who gets voted in. I'll probably plug some votes, try to get past in there. Because if past it doesn't go to the All-Star Game this season, it's a fucking shafting. But anyway... All right, that's going to conclude the NHL. We'll move into quarter four. We'll talk about the PGA Tour. Uh, hopefully, you guys all enjoyed, or hopefully, you guys all got into the uh, PGA Tour one and done pool. And uh, and yeah, first event has come and passed the Century Tournament of Champions, Kapalua. I mean, that is on the bucket list. That course looks so nasty at the plantation, and just even to the scuba diving and jet ski. I mean, the whales. Uh, Hawaii looks just like it's not real life. It looks like a Jurassic Park. It's unbelievable. But Kalamurakawa leads from beginning to finish until the back nine on Sunday when he decides to shard his pants. And John Rom, John Rom was seven back making the turn. He ends up going five under through four holes in the back nine, birdies 18 and wins the century tournament of champions. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I did pick John Rom in the one and done, and that is a win. So I'll be taking the win from John Rom, $2.7 million to start the year, start the one and done. Absolutely phenomenal. My DraftKings were fucking terrible this week so i'm looking to hop uh, hop back on the uh the DraftKings and have and have a better showing this week at the sony open so we get the sony open this week in hawaii obviously congratulations to john rom and and, and feel bad for calling morikawa uh but with the sony open this week in hawaii so there's a there's a few of the big names that are going to be sticking around for the tournament um tom kim comes to mind sung jm hideki matsuyama's had uh had uh, good history here jordan speed sticking around um but here are some guys um i do research on on data golf it's a free uh golf website and it gives you kind of a last five year sample size of the guys in the field, their strokes gained, how many rounds they've played versus their expectation. It's a really good site. So there's a course history tool. 
It gives you uh, the course from the Sony Open, uh, which is uh, Wale Country Club in Hawaii. Um, and the guy that's kind of jumping off the page to me right now is, is Hideki. Obviously won it last year. He came 19th in 2021 and 12th in 2020. So Hideki looks like he's going to be a nice guy to play. Um, it's obviously tough to win back-to-back. Russell Henley is coming off a second-place finish. Last year he came 11th the year prior. So Russell Henley might be a nice play. Um Michael Thompson, that's a name that you don't hear very often. He had the big beard last year. He came fifth last year, 25th and 38th. Not really a guy I'll be looking to. Uh, but who gains the most strokes? Uh, Corey Connors. Corey Connors, uh, he didn't play in 2021, but in 2022, he came 11th, 2010, 12th, and 3rd in 2019. Corey Connors, you can lock him into a few DraftKings lineups. Um, obviously, plays play, plays. Fairly solid here. Keith Mitchell, another guy, came 7th last year, 14th and 21. He got cut in 2020, but he was 16th and 25th. So Keith Mitchell's got a half-decent uh, track record here. He's been top 25 in four of his last five starts here. Uh, Adam Svensson came 7th here last year. Um, Patton Kazira seems like he's... Uh, Patton Kazira won here in 2018. He came 7th in 2021. So these are all names that I wouldn't take. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys right now in the one and done, I'm taking uh, Tom Kim. Uh, so Tom Kim will be my bet this week in the one and done. I just think that this course is a par 70. Um, I guess that the fairways hit on average per player is like 55% of the time compared to the tour average, which is, or course average, which is, you know, roughly around 64% typically. So typically players hit the fairway around 64% of the time. And at this event, it's around 55, 54. So uh, obviously driving the ball accurately will be uh, at premium this week. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at a guy like Tom Kim. Obviously he doesn't drive it very far, but he drives very accurately and you played well last week so i'm going to ride tom kim um but these are just some other guys that you know you might be able to you might be willing to take uh cory connors uh hideki matsuyama sung jm um jordan spieth i I wouldn't burn jordan spieth at this event but who knows um anyway it's going to be a phenomenal event the pga tour is back in the mix guys i really appreciate you you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back on Friday, uh, hopefully with a guest. But uh, but listen, everybody, enjoy your weeks. Uh, get in the chalkboard app. Make sure you're on the TikTok and Instagram. And uh, listen, have yourselves a fantastic week. 